dominant issue being health care. Because once again, we're in a crisis that was completely and utterly predictable. And as the premiers and uh, the Trudeau government bicker over health care funding, uh, the, you know, we've got a reality check for you on where we are in this country as far as the actual crisis at hand that they should be solving instead of bickering over. Second Street Org is a think tank, and they analyze government policy and how it is affecting us every day. And their latest focus, they do a lot on health care, and this time they are diving into wait times and how long we are being sidelined, whether it's for surgeries, diagnostics, or seeing a specialist in this country. And it's not a pretty picture. Of the provinces that did respond with complete data, so not every province was transparent with this, they learned that 2.9 million Canadians are on wait lists in this country. But they estimate, because the numbers are missing, they see it as closer to 3.7 million people in this country waiting, and not just for a little bit of time. And some of the numbers are shocking. Quebec leads the list with just staggering wait times, but Ontario's right behind, with almost 230,000 of us waiting for surgeries now. 460,000 people waiting to get diagnosed, and they did not have um, full numbers as far as seeing a specialist. But we know those are massive, too. So really, I think the unwritten story behind these numbers is something we've talked with uh, SecondStreet.org about before, is that people are going to die on these waiting lists, because they already are. Colin Craig is president of SecondStreet.org. He joins us now. Great to have you, Colin. And what a timely, um, you know, timely... Um, timely time for your your numbers to come out. Well, th- thanks, Alex, for discussing this again. I think it's such an important topic, and yeah, certainly uh, good timing. I think we kind of lucked out a little bit with the, the premier, the health minister's meeting to talk about health care. It's an important issue because you know we have to remember these aren't just numbers; these are people. There's so mm-hmm. many Canadians that are suffering in this country on long waiting lists, people living with chronic pain getting to the point where they have suicidal thoughts before of that happening. Uh, certainly lots of patients worrying about what happens when they take painkillers for a year or so and what that damage is doing to their body, whether it's their liver or other organs. Um, yeah. People off work, losing income, have you know, causing stress on their family situation. Soon. The, the consequences of these long waiting lists cannot be uh, understated. It's, it's such a serious problem. And it's, it's not just that we have a lot of Canadians waiting. And like you said, it's about 3.7 million is roughly where we think this number is at based on the data government's provided. That's about one in 10. So it's mm-hmm. not just that we have a lot of Canadians waiting, it's that research suggests that they're waiting longer than ever before. The Fraser Institute's done some great research yeah. tracking. Also tracking coming out today. <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah. It also came out today as they're reporting on, on wait times. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So they've done great research looking at wait times over time, and it's, it's more than doubled since the early 1990s. So we've got more Canadians waiting than ever before, and they're waiting longer than ever before. It's, it's a very troubling situation that we face as a nation. Yeah, well, look, I, I get stories every single day. I had a caller, uh, Steve, uh, this morning telling me, you know, his wife uh, needed a colonoscopy and waited too long, couldn't get diagnosed, kept getting canceled. And now she's got colon cancer and now they're in chemo and they don't know if, if she's going to be OK. So we're get, there's a lot of people with very treatable illnesses in this country that are not getting timely care. And so essentially we're putting them on wait lists to die. And when you look at the numbers, um, so, you know, you go through. 
you know, some of the numbers for uh, Ontario, I went through the Ontario numbers. You've got 229,000 people waiting for surgeries right now, mm-hmm. 460,000 waiting for diagnostics. And of course, they didn't provide specialist numbers, but I would, I would gather those are extraordinarily high. And then you've got Quebec, which was actually transparent, but their numbers are a disaster. You've got 160,000 waiting for surgery, 793,000 Canadians waiting for a specialist, and 707,000 waiting for diagnostic in Quebec. I mean, these, this is, this to me is, is, is an absolute proof point that we are a failure of a system. Not, not frontline workers, the system. We are. Structurally, it is a failure, without a doubt. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to reconcile because for years we've been told about how great the system is. And like you said, I mean, there are lots and lots of very good people that work in the system. Doctors, nurses, others that just want to help people. That's why they got into healthcare. I don't put the blame on them. I don't think people, and I think that's where we get conflated is that people don't want to criticize the healthcare because they think that they're criticizing the nurses and the doctors and all those people that, that are there. That's not what this is about. It's the system. It's the structure of the system. You're 100% right. And there's lots of good people working in the system. They want to help. And, you know, we hear lots of stories about how they're frustrated because they're working in a system where they can see it's Mm -hmm. inefficient, it's ineffective, resources aren't being allocated properly. Uh, Resources are being rationed often. You know, the government will fund X number of whatever knee surgeries a year. And after that, too bad, you're on a waiting list. And no, you can't go to a private clinic and pay. Like it's, it's, the government has taken a monopoly over so many healthcare services in this country, uh, and yet in many respects they don't want to be accountable for the results. So it, it, it just yeah. doesn't add up. And, and if we do, th- this is the key thing for, for your listeners that I would stress is that we can keep this universal aspect that I think just about every Canadian loves, and that is that everyone mm. is covered, whether you're rich or you're poor. We can keep that aspect, but improve the system if we reform things. And sadly, when we we talk about doing that so often, special interest groups try to derail that conversation because some of them have it pretty good right now and they're worried about what would happen. (laughs) So they try to turn this into a discussion about, well, it's either Canada's system or the U.S. system, which is just ridiculous. There's nearly 200 countries on this planet, many that have universal health care systems that are performing better than Canada's. Quite often, they're located in Europe, Australia, New Zealand. There's lots of good countries we could be learning from, mm-hmm. uh, but we just too often that discussion gets derailed. That well, it's our system or the U.S. So, well, I, that's, that's- I don't know if we can deny it now. I mean, when we when we've got people telling you know parents that they can't and shouldn't bring their children to the hospital because they don't have beds or they they might not get treatment. I mean, we we are buckling here. Um, and when we when we're at that point. Um, you know, you would think, Colin, at some point it would it would spark some urgency under, you know, the, the federal side, the health side. And, and yet, what do we see this week in Vancouver? They're bickering. You've got the prime minister judging them for for how they tax the you know, loopholes for taxing the rich. Uh, you know, uh, it's a word game now. The provinces don't want string attached. People in this country don't care. We pay for health care. We can't get it. And all the politicians do is fight over it instead of seeing the need right now, the daily headlines where they're not just in Toronto, they're all over the place. And yet they're, they're not urgent. They'd rather play politics than solve it. Yeah, that's that's a big, big part of the problem, right? I mean, ultimately, the, the back stops with the elected side because they're the ones that have the power to do something about it. Like you say, too often they're bickering and they both bear some of the blame. Uh, we spend a lot as a country on healthcare. You, you mentioned the Fraser Institute. Their report came out today, and mm-hmm. it's just that once again, we spend a lot of money 
We're not getting bang for the buck. So what are the provinces doing? They're saying, Ottawa, we want more money. It's like, well, wait a second. You could be doing a better job with the money that you get. This, Ottawa's blame is that when the provinces often do try to be innovative and try new things, Ottawa comes in and says, no, you do that, we're going to take away that little bit of federal funding that we actually do provide because the, the provinces fund the vast majority of healthcare spending and Ottawa funds, I think it's around 25% or so, roughly. So it's, it's a minority share, but the provinces need that money. When Ottawa doesn't like something, they threaten to take away the money. But we do need innovation in this country. We need to be trying new things. Let a province go off and try something new. And if it works, we should all be copying it. And if it doesn't work, well, then maybe we don't copy that idea. But they need that flexibility. So both sides, I think, bear some uh, responsibility here. But um, it's certainly a serious problem. And we need to be shifting that discussion to health reform instead of throwing money at the situation. Because spending has exploded on health care over the past yeah. years. It's increased at more than double the rate of inflation on a per-person uh, basis. So it's not a, a case that we just simply need to throw more money at this situation. We need to be looking at uh, reform that could ultimately help patients. Yeah, it, it's what a mess. Well, look, we're into a real crunch here, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, appreciate the numbers always. I don't like the numbers, Colin, but I do appreciate the perspective they give us. Well, thanks a lot. I don't care for the numbers either. We actually have scanned copies of all this data on our website. If people ever want to look at it, they can see what their the government provided. That's at uh, secondstreet.org. Thanks very much. We'll talk again. Thank you. That is uh, Colin Craig joining us. I mean, the reality is the, the longer we wait on these lists, the more expensive the care gets. Or we die, which Colin has given us numbers on that. There are thousands of people. I think the number was over, just over 11,000 who have waited on waiting lists and just died because they couldn't get timely uh, service. And the reality is, if we don't see action from those in charge, like now, my concern is that nurses are going to even leave more en masse, that they're just going to say, I'm done, I can't do this, or doctors. And then what? So again, stop with the bickering and do your job.